Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. This morning, we are going to be finishing our series, Down to Earth. Everyone say, Down to Earth. I love it. This series uh, has been a phenomenal series. And the idea about it is that we're trying to discover, cool, Jesus came down to earth, but He also came down to earth in a very down-to-earth way. You know, He came as a baby in a manger. We all know the nativity scene. We see little baby Jesus and you've got like the cow and the sheep and the couple of shepherds and Mary's always kneeling and so is Joseph. You know, like those nativity scenes, we see that Jesus came down to earth and it's really easy for us just to start thinking about nativity scenes rather than the significance of why he came that way. And so this whole series is designed for us to better understand Jesus and why He came the way He did and then what that means for us. It's to expand our understanding of who Jesus is and all that He has done for us. See, before Jesus came down to earth, He was represented to people in three different ways. Number one, as, uh, He was represented as prophets, right? Prophets. Prophets represented God to people, and they represented God to man. Number two was priests, and they represented man before God. And number three was kings who ruled over the people as God's representatives. But as good as these three roles were, right? Reality is, is that we all know there were people involved, which means they weren't that great. Who knows what I'm talking about? Like, as perfect as a role could be, and as soon as you add people into the equation, it starts to maybe look a little bit messy because I know me and I know some of you, and we all know that we have the things we have to work on. And so what we see is that it wasn't a complete picture. It wasn't a perfect picture of God's plan. And so what took place is that Jesus leaves the throne room of heaven and comes down to earth in order to complete these three roles in mine and your life, right? And so what we see over the past few weeks is that we've seen that as prophet, Jesus comes to reveal God to us. His role as prophet is to, in our everyday life, to reveal God to us on a day-to-day basis. We see as priest, He came to reconcile us to God, So as prophet, he comes to reveal God to us, but as priest, he comes to reconcile us to God, to lift us up back into the right standing with God. And then this morning, we're going to be looking at, as king, how he reigns as God over us. And uh, if you missed out any of this series or any of the, the weeks of this series, I want to encourage you to head on over to our YouTube page. Just head on to YouTube, go Victory Church ADL, um, and you'll be able to find us, subscribe. You'll be able to watch any sermons on there or head on over to our Victory Church app. It's a great way to stay in tune with the series that we're doing. But this morning, we are going to be looking at Jesus as King. Everyone say King. Awesome. Now, when I say king, we, we need to do a bit of, bit of maybe context readjusting because I don't know about you, but in, in this day and age, we don't really have kings the same way as they did back in the Bible. See, when I hear king, my first thought, if I'm completely honest, right, is possibly the best Disney movie ever made, ever, and that is The Lion King. Nasibania! I don't know the rest of the words. I swear everyone sings it differently. That's... It's like everyone's got their own little take on what they actually say. Like, but that's what I think of. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you think of uh, maybe Elvis Presley, the king of rock. Hello. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you think of Martin Luther King and his incredible speech that he gave. 
or maybe for the, the for the few of the younger guys, maybe you think of Kanye West's latest album, Jesus is King, right? We all have different contexts to how we interpret king and kingship. And so in order to properly understand Jesus as king, we need to go into the Bible and look at what kings in the Bible actually did to interpret the scriptures properly, right? We let scripture interpret scripture, not just our opinion inter- interpret scripture, right? So this morning, are you ready to look at what kings did in the Bible, yeah? Awesome. Well, kings, so that you know, in the Bible held legislative and executive, economic and military power. Here's the thing, there was no voting them in and there was no voting them out. You know how we've been, like the US election was a massive deal a couple of months ago? There was none of that because there was no voting that occurred. See, they were not elected in, they were anointed in. See, kings in the biblical times, they were not chosen by people, they were chosen by God. And we see that time and time again. And they were chosen to lead nations and specifically lead nations in three ways. Everyone say three. Three ways. And the first way is this. They were chosen and anointed to lead a nation in the form of direction. Everyone say direction. They, they chose where the nations were going. They chose the direction where the nation was heading. That's how they represented God. And so we see this in our day and age. A great example of this is captains on any sort of sporting field. As a captain on a sporting field, their role is to make a choice for the team in order to win the game. And the same way kings in the Old Testament, not just the Old Testament, sorry, New Testament as well, kings, what they would do is that they would actually operate in making decisions on how they would move forward and what God had given them to do. They would lead with direction. But here's the thing about direction. When you lead with direction, it also brings unity. And so as they led with direction, as they went, hey, this is where we're going, the whole nation and the whole place gathered together under the king to go, yeah, this is where we're going. See, they, they would bring direction to the nation that they were leading. And direction brings unity. See, the people, whenever they wanted, uh, whenever they wanted certainty, the king's role was to bring clarity. I think we can relate to this a lot here today in, in COVID 2020. We, a lot of us would love some certainty of what's going to take place. But as leaderships, as what they did is that the leadership role is to bring clarity, not certainty. And so our role is to make sure we're praying for our leaders to make sure they can bring clarity when they need. And they might not be able to bring certainty because they don't know, but we want them to bring clarity. Their goal and the role of the king was to bring direction in everyday life. And not only that, but the goal and the role of a king was not just to bring direction, but also protection. Everyone say protection. Protection. Now, protection was actually something that they needed to do both outside the walls and inside the walls. It was both external and internal protection. See, they would often face uh, external threats. So other kingdoms, other armies trying to take their land and come and take what God had given them. And so their role was actually to protect externally what God had given them and asked them to. But not only that, also internally. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you faced a challenge before externally, maybe at your job or whatever it might be, and you face a challenge that you've come up against. But reality is, is that we all know it's not just the external challenge, it's many of the challenge that happens within our own head that is the hardest one to fight. And the kings in, in, in biblical times, what they would do, they would protect their nation externally, but also internally. You know, when they swear the U.S. president in, into office, right? They make, him, make this uh, claim that says, hey, I take an oath, sorry, that says, I will protect this nation both from foreign and domestic. Attack doesn't just come from outside. Sometimes attack can come from the closest things to you. 
And the enemy, when he tries to take things out, he doesn't play fair. He's not like, oh, you don't care about that person's opinion. I'm going to use that person. No, no, he'll go to the person you care the most about and use their opinion to try and get into your head. See, we got to protect ourselves from external and internal things. And that was the role of the kings in biblical times. So we got uh, direction, protection, and you guys are going to love this third point. I know you're really going to love it. Trust me, you are going to, you're going to welcome this third point so much, all right? The third role of the king was correction. I know, I told you you would love it, all right? Was correction. In order to understand this, I'm just going to turn to any parent in this room today. You would know that without correction, chaos reigns. If my parents did not correct me when I was younger, my wife would be having to live with my wardrobe this very day. Without correction, chaos reigns. And the king's role was actually to make sure they were correcting anything within their walls that wasn't aligned with their direction. Right? They have set their direction, but anything that wasn't aligned, they actually had to correct in order to make sure they were all heading in the same way. Because as soon as you have someone else going a different way, you know that actually is division, right? And so they had to correct what was going on within their walls. Correction, without correction, sorry, chaos reigns. Correction helped to keep the nation as one. However, these roles as kings, right, as anointed as these kings were, like I said before, they were people too. So they were anointed, but they were people, and so they were imperfect, because people were involved. If you want to know more, you can go read the kings of Israel. Start with King Saul, the first king of Israel. He was actually anointed by God. Often we talk about Saul, the king that uh, preceded David, and we talk about how much of a bad guy he is because when David was anointed and how he reacted. But did you know God actually anointed him to lead Israel? God actually anointed him to lead Israel, and yet as a human, he drifted. It's actually the same with David. You know, David was anointed to lead Israel. But you know, as him in himself, he actually drifted as well. Not to mention his son after him. God gave him the greatest gift, Solomon. He he gave him wisdom beyond anyone else ever, right? Solomon had wisdom coming out the wazoo, all right? This is Solomon, and yet he made some of the silliest choices I've ever seen someone make because he trusted in of himself. So even anointed people don't complete this picture because it was always designed to be completed by King Jesus, It was never designed to be completed by humans. It was designed to be completed by Jesus. And so we see that Jesus doesn't just come and complete this role, but he actually raises the bar of this role. Classic Jesus style, am I right? He doesn't just come and do what we've been doing. No, no, he raises the bar. He takes it to a whole new level, a whole nother level. In order to understand this, we need to look at a couple of things and Oh, pardon me. Um, Jesus didn't just come and complete this position. position. He raised the bar. Jesus is the complete king because, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. He is titled, but not entitled. He is titled, but not entitled. In other words, he came to serve and not be served. Jesus is the king that came and left the splendor of heaven to come down to earth and to serve us. To serve us. We see in Matthew 20 verse 28 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That scripture is also seen in Mark 10 verse 45. See, the kings of old had servants, but Jesus came as the king 
to serve. Kings of old had people serving him, but Jesus went, no, no, that's not my complete picture. My complete and perfect picture is me as king coming down to serve you. A great example of this in Jesus' life is actually when he washes the disciples' feet. He gets down and he's got his disciples there and he gets down in the dirt and he gets a bottle and he starts to wash their feet. Now, can we just pause for a second and just imagine, right? Washing people's feet is weird, right? But what it does, it shows, hey, I'm willing to get down and dirty, remove all the dirt off of where you've been because I want to serve you. Jesus is serving the disciples at this point. And some of them react and they're going, God, no, you can't wash my feet. I should be washing yours. And Jesus is going, no, no, you're missing the point. I'm the king that came to serve, not just be served. He has come to serve. In other words, he actually lived his life for our sake. He actually lived his life for mine and for your sake. How many of us, if we're honest, we live our lives for our own sake? How many of us, when it comes to Christmas, we're thinking about the presents we're going to get more than the ones we're going to give? Real talk. I'm up there, one of them, not going to lie. I love Christmas gifts. But Jesus, as the perfect king, came and said, no, no, I'm going to live my life for your sake. We read many times in the Bible that Jesus said, it was for your sake. It was for your sake. It was for their sake. In other words, he's saying, no, I'm not living my life for me. I'm living it for you. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. In other words, he's going, nah, for the sake of the joy that I'm going to have being in relationship with you, I will suffer pain and I will suffer death for your sake. Come on, he lived his life for our sake. Here's the craziest thing, is that when he was hanging up on the cross, he could have called angels from heaven to come and lift him off of that cross. He has that. He has that power. And yet, he chose to hang there for me and for you. He chose to hang there, not for himself, not for himself, but for me and for you. For our sake, Jesus gave it all. He is the king that didn't receive the greatest gift, but gave it instead. He came down to lift us up. Come on, Jesus is the perfect king because he came to serve and not be served. But not only is, the, is he a perfect king because he's titled and not entitled, but number two, he's the perfect king because he has full authority, not just, a, not just authority, sorry. Let me say that again. He has full authority, not just authority. In Philippians 2 verse 10, it says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should, should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. The scripture tells me that God has full authority. In biblical times where kings had boundaries where they could go, where their kingdom ended, man, I'll tell you what, Jesus, He has no boundaries. There is no place, nothing, no one that has more authority than Jesus Christ. He has full authority in this whole world, on heaven, on earth, and under the earth, as the Bible says. There is no place He can't go. In other words, the place that you think He doesn't follow you, He's there with you. He's there at work. He's there in the car. He's there at uni. He's there at school. He's there at home. Wherever you find yourself, God is because He has full authority. There is no boundaries to His authority. It says this in Psalm 139, verse 7 to 10. 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Where can you go that God isn't? Nowhere. He is everywhere. In the midst of the messy situation that you find yourself in, or maybe you're feeling anxious about Christmas lunch because Christmas lunch can be great for a lot of people but can be also very anxious for a lot of people. In the midst of that, I'll tell you what, God is present. Let's not forget, yeah, Christmas lunch is great, but the reason for the season is that a King Jesus came down to earth and he has full authority over every single situation. But I'll tell you what, it's not just external authority, it's also internal authority. Later in Psalm 139, we read this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Does that convict anyone or is that just me? For the psalmist would be like, God, point out anything that offends you. That's strong wording. But what he's saying is going, no, no, God, I submit to your full authority And I recognize that you know more than I do. And so I'm going to ask you to read me, look at me and go, hey, point out the things that need to shift and change. A modern day example of this would be any coach of any sporting team. Right? Any coach of sporting team doesn't just go, well done guys, you're doing a great job. Imagine like under 10 soccer, right? If they had the same coach all the way through. And they went from under 10 soccer to under 16 soccer. And all the coach ever said was, you guys are doing a great job. Everyone would still be huddled around the ball, not playing in their positions. You guys know what I'm talking about. Parents who go to under 10 soccer games are probably my heroes because I don't understand how you do it. I'm like, why are you all in one spot? Anyways. But any decent coach, right? doesn't just go, well done, guys, you're doing a great job. No, no, they take players aside and they work on the team going, hey, what do we need to work on in order to win? But I'll tell you what, why is it that as Christians, we have this mentality that as soon as God goes, hey, you need to start working on this, we start to go, well, hey, on God, that's not what I signed up for. In your job, in sport, in anything in life, in parenting, as you're growing up, in whatever it is, you have people saying, hey, these are areas you can improve on. But apparently when it comes to God, we have things He can't touch. He has full authority, church. He has every right to point out things in our life and go, hey, this isn't aligned. Not because he's trying to make our life hard, because guess what? He has better plans for us. Imagine if an under 10 like, soccer guy went up to his coach and his coach was like, hey, maybe try don't running to the ball all the time. You're the goalkeeper. I don't need you attacking the other goal. Imagine if the coach said that and he went back, well, I'm going to have to listen to you. I know what I'm doing. Everyone be like, what is wrong with this kid? You're like, you're going to lose your team the game. And yet that's how we respond to God so many times. We read his word and we don't let it be a mirror to ourselves. Instead, we think of the other people that it applies to and we don't change anything about ourselves because we haven't surrendered to the full authority of Jesus Christ, not just externally, but internally as well. He doesn't just govern our, out, our outer works, but he, he governs our internal world too. And when you start to learn to ask him to point out things that don't line up with his word. If our goal is to be Christ-like, we have to ask him to go, God, I need you to point out where I'm not Christ-like. And maybe he's going to say, hey, this Christmas you have to forgive. 
Maybe he's going to say, hey, this Christmas you have to apologize. Some of those words that we don't really like that much, maybe. But I'll tell you what, church, when we start to surrender to his full authority, we start to live in the full benefits of his kingdom. Let him point out things that need to shift in your life. We don't want to be comfortable Christians. We want to be Christians that are led and driven by our conviction to be Christ-like. Come on, surrender to his full authority. He knows. He knows. For the pure fact that he's just older than you as well. If for nothing else, he's older than you. And respect your elders, so... When Jesus points out things, though, it's not about condemnation. It's an invitation to change because he has the authority to help you change. Once again, if he points out something, he has full authority. He's not like, you need to change this all by yourself. No, no, he's, he's there to help you change. He has full authority. There is nothing that you are facing that is greater than God. There is no situation that is greater than God. There is no one that is greater than God. I'll tell you what, it may have more, more of your attention than God does at the moment, but it doesn't have more authority. Just because it has more of your attention right now does not mean it has more authority than God. Because we read and it says, every knee will bow and every tongue declare. So my question is, what are you giving your attention to? The authority of God or the situations around us? Come on, church. Let us surrender to the authority of God. He's not only titled, but not entitled. And he's not only has full authority, not just a authority, but he reigns for all time, not just a time. For all time, not just a time. His kingdom wasn't just for a time, it's timeless. It has no end. Revelation 22 verse 13 says, calls Jesus the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was the same yesterday, he is the same today, and he will be the same tomorrow. He never changes. He lives outside of time because he is God and his kingdom and his reign is timeless. The first king of Israel, Saul, reigned for 20 years. The second king, David, reigned for 40, but Jesus reigns forever. See, in the world, when it comes to humans, we have things that come to an end. But I'll tell you what, Jesus does, does not come to an end. He reigns forever. He reigns forever. What does this mean? It means that a, a relationship with Jesus is the best investment you can ever make. It does. See, when you pay insurance or when you pay rego or when you fill up your car with petrol or when you pay school fees, I'll tell you what, those cover it for a bit, but there comes a time where it doesn't cover it anymore. Trust me, I've tested this a number of times with my petrol tank. I've, I've prayed in faith as well. And <laughs> there comes a time with your investment actually runs out, but with Jesus, when you invest a relationship with him, he is eternal, which means you reap eternal rewards means you reap eternal rewards on a daily basis. Come on. We've got to understand that we can't live with a perspective of now. When Jesus went to the cross, he wasn't looking at the there and then. If he was, I don't know. Let me rephrase it, sorry. We've got to live with the perspective of eternity because when Jesus went to the cross, he saw you in mind. The reason he hung up there is because he saw you. Not a crowd, he saw you. He saw you personally. And he didn't live with the perspective of now, he lived with the perspective of one day. And we need to understand that King Jesus doesn't live with the perspective of now. 
which means that when you're going through a tough time, we don't have to live with the perspective of right now either. We can have a confidence that we know that God is good and that if it's not good yet, He's not done. We can go to the Bible and read the promises of God that He has for us and know that, come on, He lives not in our time frame. He has His own time frame. I would say this, that God works in the suddenly, not just the immediately. And so don't live with a now perspective. Live with an eternal perspective. He never changes. His character is the same forever and always, always has been and always will be. So the question is then this, how does this relate to us? How does this relate to us? How do we relate to King Jesus? Well, the truth is, is that we all have a throne of our life that we have decided who or what to sitting on. Every single one of us, we have a throne of our life that we've decided who or what is making the calls. Maybe it's job and income. Maybe it's family or friends. Maybe it's perception. Here's a big one. Maybe it's feelings. Maybe your feelings are sitting on the throne of your life. And they're dictating what you do or don't do or what you say or don't say, who you interact with or who you don't, but how you feel in a moment. But I'll tell you what, our throne of our life was not designed to have any of those things sitting on it. Because as we read in the Bible, when we operate in that, we see kings of old and how they ended up. But God has designed that He would sit Jesus on the throne of our life. And as a result, we would walk hand in hand with Him. King Jesus is designed, uh, so our role when it comes to King Jesus is to let Him sit on the throne of our life. See, I grew up in church, and I knew a lot about God for a long time. I went to every single Sunday service. I did all the things. I knew a lot about God, but I never knew Him until I decided to give Him the throne. Until it came that moment where I decided to surrender all to Him and went, God, I know you are good. I know you are Lord. I know you are King. And so I'm going to surrender my life to yours. I'm going to lay my preference aside and let you sit on the throne. The difference between knowing Him, sorry, knowing about Him and knowing Him. And there's three things I just want to point out really quick uh, this morning of how we can approach God as King Jesus how we can approach Jesus as the Lord of our life, not just the Savior of our life. And number one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Honor Him. Honor Him. We are designed to honor and bring glory to God. Quite simply put, this just means putting Him first. Bringing honor and glory to God simply means just putting Him first. I know that sounds really simple. like, well, where's the... With the, the bigger, like, bigger words or more complex language. No, no, ask yourself this question. Where in my life am I putting God first? Or my feelings first? Or is the income first? The perception of what others think of me first? My comfortability, whatever it may be, whatever you want to put in that spot. Ask yourself, where is Jesus being first in your life? And everything in every moment we should be putting him first, especially when it comes to our money. See, when we tithe, it's a heart posture that positions Jesus on the throne of our lives. We're really quiet just then. But I want to read you a scripture in Proverbs 3 verse 9. And it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. In other words, this is an opinion. This is Bible. And if you call yourself a Christian, this should not be up for discussion. Not because I said it, but because King Jesus, 
the one who we are designed to bring glory to and honor to on a regular basis, on a daily basis, said, hey, give me your first fruits. And the way we honor him is by doing just that. And I've had time and time again in my life where I haven't wanted to because maybe I've been lacking, but my conviction swells up and says, no, Dan, it's not about you. It's about honoring the king. And you know what's crazy? Every time I've done it, he's looked after me anyways. And so what am I worrying about? But it's about putting God first in your life, in your wealth, put him first. Ask God when it comes to you doing your budget for 2021, God, what do you want to do with my budget? How many of us actually go to God first and ask him those questions? Or do we just wait until he pokes us on the shoulder and going, hey, I actually wanted to speak into that. Come on, let's go to him first. This year, we have an opportunity at the start of this year, start of this next year, sorry, to actually go to God first and see what he wants to do with our life. Come on, where are you putting him first in your life? When we honor God, we lay our preference aside and our pride aside, and we choose to live by conviction of the Lord Jesus Christ. So number one, honor him. Number two, we are called to obey him. Everyone say, obey him. This is a really fun one as well. Everyone loves the word obey. Am I right? We have such a, an awesome response to the word obedience. I think rather we actually have quite a negative response to it. We get, for some reason, really defensive, but we're actually called to live in obedience. Obedience is simply trusting God's plan over your preference for your life. That's all obedience is, is trusting God's plan for your life over your preference. In John 14, verse 23, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. Hello. My Father will love them, and He will come and make our home with each of them. See, He has set the direction of our life, and it's our role to walk in obedience when it comes to God. Jesus has set the direction of our life, and it's our role to walk in obedience. James 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. In other words, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. In other words, hey, it's not just the thought that counts. It's not just the thought that counts. Don't deceive yourself. It's like, well, I knew I was supposed to read my Bible, but I didn't get around to it, but that's okay. No, pick up the Word of God and read it. I know God said that I should bless that person, but I forgot about it. So, you know, it's a thought that counts. I heard God speak to me. No, no, actually just go and do it. Come on, we're called to live in obedience to Jesus, King Jesus, who has a perfect plan for yours and my life. And we are called to add our yes to whatever it is that He asks of us. Come on, we're called to live in a yes. It's not just the thought that counts. My parents used to say to me growing up, obedience is immediately, completely, and with a smile. I used to hate that saying when I was younger. In fact, if they said it to me, I would probably still hate it now. But I feel like God says it to us. and He goes, hey, obedience is immediately, completely, and with a smile. It's the worst when someone tries to be generous with a bad attitude. Like, it felt like I needed to be generous. Here you go. You know, just, Here's a coffee. I felt like God had told me to be generous. No, no, like, hey, I want to shout you a coffee. Here you go. Hope you're having a great week. Come on. Obedience is immediately, completely, and with a smile. Let's surrender our preference and prioritize His plan of our life. Number three, as the rest of the band comes up, we are called not only to honor Him, not only to serve Him, but we're, sorry, not only to obey Him, but we're called to serve Him. Just as He served us, we are called to serve Jesus. 
He died for our sake so that we can live for the sake of others. Let me say it again. He died for our sake so that we can live for the sake of others. We need to recognize that we are representatives of the King and we serve Him by serving others. If you want to go and read about this, you can find it in Matthew 25, verse 37. I don't have time to read the whole scripture right now, but I would encourage you to go read about it. But Jesus says, hey, anyone who's done anything for anyone else has done so for me. When you've fed the hungry, you've clothed the naked, hey, when you've set free the captive, you've done so for me. We serve Him by loving what He loves. And He loves the whole world. That's how we serve Him. That's why we rock up to church on a daily basis. We don't just rock up to church for us. We rock up for church for your friend who maybe is coming back one day. And the one Sunday you don't rock up to church is the one Sunday they actually walk in the doors and they're looking for your face and they can't find it. That is the reason why me and Ashari have committed to this house long term, not short term, long term, because we're saying, hey, we want to be here for when people come back. When my friends who know that I'm a Christian and they know that I come to church, when they come to church, am I still here? Or have I let my preference dictate my decisions? Come on, we don't live for the sake of ourselves. We live for the sake of the world that's out there that needs a Savior. His name is Jesus. We serve God by serving people. I'll tell you what, the band don't rock up at 7.30 every Sunday morning for themselves. They rock up so that you can worship Jesus. The coffee team don't rock up early just so they can, they can make a coffee for themselves. They rock up so that you can have a nice coffee when you rock up. The car park team aren't like, oh man, what do I feel like doing today? I really feel like directing cars this morning. Let me go and direct some cars. No, no, they do it for you. Because Jesus died for our sake so that we could live for the sake of others. King Jesus, who came to serve and not be served. And yet how many of us want to be served and not serve? We have an awesome opportunity tonight to outwork serving Jesus. We have Christmas carols at 5 and 7.30 tonight, church. Now I want to let you know they're not just Christmas carols. This is mission. Come on, you need to catch this. This isn't Christmas carols. This isn't about festivities. This isn't about just singing some songs. No, this is mission. This is what Jesus came and died for. This is why He left the splendor of heaven to come down to earth as a baby in a manger so that He might connect with the world. And yet He does that through our invitation. We have an opportunity tonight to serve King Jesus by loving those around us. By inviting the people that are in your world, not because we want a big event. I'll tell you what, we don't want a big event. We want to be impactful for the kingdom. And the way that we do that is by serving Jesus, inviting people. And not only just inviting them, I mean, seriously, don't just throw the invite out and when they come, you're nowhere to be seen. No, no, be here and realize that we live for the sake of people. Actually be the one who takes them to the welcome lounge. Actually be the one who asks them the question, hey, did you enjoy the service? Actually take a hold of it and go, no, I'm serving the kingdom in this moment. Come on, King Jesus left heaven for this, for people. 
so that we might live for people. Could you stand with me this morning? My question is, who is on the throne of your life? Who is on the throne of your life? Is it your feelings? Is it your past? Past decisions? Is it what people think about you? Or is it King Jesus? Are you putting Him first? Because we're called to honor Him. We're called to obey Him and we're called to serve Him, church. Because if we want the benefits of the kingdom, we've got to learn to follow the King. King Jesus. King Jesus. King Jesus. I wonder if I can pray with you this morning. Oh God, we're so thankful the fact that you would leave heaven and come down to earth. That you would leave everything, the splendor, the worship, the glory, and come down as a babe in a manger in a down-to-earth way. We recognize that you've revealed God to us and that you've reconciled us to God. But right here, right now, Jesus, we want to recognize you as King. Not just Savior, but Lord. We make a commitment to honor you, Lord God, to put you first in every area of our life, not just some, every area of our life. Nothing is untouchable, Lord God. And we also ask that you would point out things that don't line up with your word so that we might be able to walk in obedience according to you, Lord God, that we might be able to trust your plan over our preference. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would also serve you by serving others, by loving others, by walking on mission. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 